have a baby. little dumpster baby. Oh, yeah. I am a dumpster baby right now. No, we shouldn't make that joke. Oh, uh, no, I probably shouldn't make that joke. I didn't even no. didn't occur to me. Were you even in your mind? No, I wasn't thinking that. I was just thinking like you were playing in a dumpster yesterday. But then I remember at a whole podcast I listened to about the dumpster baby and like the truth of the facts and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is a real thing that we have to not make a joke about. Well, I think now we should leave the joking because now this has turned into an informative little blurb (laughs) about a phenomenon. Yeah, sure. What I really meant is just that you got distracted. We were supposed to record yesterday. That's right. And you got distracted because you were literally playing in the trash. Uh, I was moving trash. You're more of a garbage pail kid, I think, would be the... Garbage pail kid. Yeah, that's that's good. I was moving trash into the dumpster that we rented because there's a bunch of trash around the homestead. We have, mm-hmm. like, so many round plastic buckets. Oh, like five-gallon buckets? Yeah, I think we're going to keep them. Yeah, you should. Those things come in handy. Yep, yep. You should absolutely keep those. What did you use them for on your farm? I'm assuming you had a bunch. Well, they were very popular because we had a composting toilet on our farm. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so five-gallon buckets were a big part of that process. But yeah, we also use them for like fermenting stuff or some things are just best stored in there like animal feed, keeping things safe from rodents if you have lids for them. We use them for a lot of stuff. There was always never enough of them, which is why I feel like I have a complex about them. And the idea of you throwing away five-gallon buckets is mortifying to me. Okay, yeah, we're not going to throw them away. We, we talked about it. Great. If you do, don't tell me. I'm, I won't tell you about it. Keep it a secret. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess I am playing in the dumpster right now. But it seemed cute. I mean, Grunge Girl sent me a picture of you playing in the dumpster, and it was very adorable. We should put it on the Patreon. Sure, we'll put it on the Patreon. Um, <laughs> I, uh, in addition to that, I was visited by a contractor to mm-hmm. work on the driveway. I got into a conversation. Really nice guy. He was 70. He had a Quaker vibe about him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I know exactly what you mean. I wouldn't have before I lived in New England, but now I do. Which is like the best kind of wasp, you know, if you're going to be a wasp. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be interacting with that world, definitely Quakers are the best of it. Yep. Yep. But I actually found out one conversation thread led to another, and I found out he was one of the founding members of a commune, a Christian commune that well, existed from the early 70s into the 80s. There was a charismatic leader who was his best friend. Mm-hmm. He was like, I believe in like alternate lives and, you know, classic Christian stuff. Yeah, he believed in all this weird kind of quasi spiritualist slash mm-hmm. like Christian science slash like reincarnation. Anyway, I learned a lot more about him than I did about the state of my driveway. <laughs> yeah. But he was a pretty neat guy. I think I might might hire him. We'll see. Well, that's cute. That's a very cute interaction. Yep. So dumpsters, driveways, and, and dives. That's what I've done. Yeah, I know. I was like trying to think of a Christian thing. That's my life. How are you, Hava? Baruch Hashem. I am well. I'm really sleepy right now. I stayed up to like two last night, which is not that abnormal for me. But for some reason, I still woke up at eight, which is abnormal for me. So I don't know what's going on with that. We are like in the time period where I could hear back on my top surgery insurance appeal like 
any day, any second, any moment. That's a very hard vibe for me to be in. Oh, whoa. Um, If you get it, you get it. If if they reject it, is there another process? Yeah, there's another level of appeals. I mean, I would have to decide that I want to do that. The long and short of it is if they reject it, then I can choose to have it reviewed by an outside reviewer. Like there's a some group out there, a third party, basically. I can choose to have it reviewed by some official third party that exists that I don't fully understand yet. It would be a really big escalation of the whole process to do that. So, God forbid. Hopefully, it will just go through. Um, But yeah, it's just like, I really, I just really want to know what the fuck will be happening. Have you been like, picking out the size and the shape i don't even know the extent oh i already did that i had my consultation with the doctor with the doctress and um oh you got a lady doctor that's nice yeah lady doctor lady doctor and i took my bff with me to the appointment to help me assess boob choices And the doctor gave me her recommendation. And then I went up a little bit from that. But we chose we all sort of like consensed on boob size. I love it. You know, on the one hand, there's the conservative idea, right? Where just like the woman's body is owned by the man. Right. Uh And then the other, then there's like, you know, the progressive, which is like your body, your choice. Is owned by the commune. Well, that's where it's going. (laughs) I like this kind of variant. It's the third way, you could say. Right. If you will. The console was actually a very cute experience and the doctor was really nice. So I really hope the insurance goes through because I would be happy to have her as my surgeon. So, but yes, that is just stressful to be thinking about what size boobies it that's hard to say until they're on you because that has to do with like the ratio of how they sit but like what's the volume of each boob if i were to put the boob on a table you know it would be approximately double the volume that i currently have it would be each implant is 350 milliliters of silicone okay i haven't seen your boobs in so long so it's hard to get the relative (laughs) comparison also like we record remotely so no one like has their bust in the frame of like a recording (laughs) during podcast recordings no you'll just have to know when you know okay i'll know when i know yeah we'll put a picture on the patreon (laughs) (laughs) maybe passover is coming up i have a chivruta who i've never met in person who i'm gonna go to their house for passover seder and it's going to be really cute and i know it's going to be really good because i can tell that they are the kind of person who really like prepares and makes a bunch of incredible food so pretty excited to be the recipient i'm imagining like someone in their 60s no no just someone like me prematurely in their 60s oh got it also it'll be the first time in my adult life that i've gone to a seder that i had no responsibility for in any way that I was merely the recipient of. Oh, that's great. That's great. I think I'm going to do something yeah. with Sam. I'm not oh, sure what. Oh, cute. Friend of the pod. Friend Sam. of the pod, Sam. We're probably just going to complain about society and have some herosis. Society. Man. Herosa and its discontents. Well, it's Talmud time, bitch. Yep, it's Talmud time. Yeah. What question are we addressing today well we have received a question from returning questioner goy goth girl oh subject of our practicing non-jew episode great episode go back and listen to it and here it is query about genesis forty nine twenty seven. 
Benjamin is described as a predatory wolf and hunting animals, that while under the supervision of his father, he is safe, but when his father dies, the fear is that fellow travelers will see he is a wolf and kill him? Or is it possible he is one of the earliest documented cases of a sociopath, possible serial killer, or literal werewolf? Love you both. So the basic question is, what's up with this potential werewolf in the Bible? Okay, so Benjamin was one of Jacob's sons. I believe. Is that right? Yeah, one of Joseph's brothers. One of Joseph's brothers, Jacob's sons. Okay, can we gather the evidence here? Can we gather the evidence? We absolutely can gather the evidence. So the primary verse that is being referred to here with regards to Benjamin being a wolf is towards the end of the whole Joseph and Genesis narrative, all the sons are getting different blessings. And it's very, honestly, it's very like Zodiac-y because each of them tends to be compared to a different animal. Mm. Um, and Benjamin's blessing, which comes from the verse mentioned in our listener's question, Genesis 49, 27, is, so Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he consumes the foe, and in the evening, he divides the spoil. As far as I could tell, the most werewolf vibes were happening in a post-Talmudic world. I found most of my sources about werewolves in, like, Hasidic literature and stuff like that. You mean werewolves generally? This werewolf tale. Okay, okay. It all sort of stems from this question around what is meant by Benjamin as a ravenous wolf. And also how this is kind of a pretty unusual biblical blessing. People are not usually blessed in the Tanakh by saying they have like these incredibly warlike qualities. Yeah, but also very good at dividing up these spoils, apparently. Probably right. between other people who aren't so warlike, perhaps. Maybe, maybe. I was trying to find I guess, something I good. mean, that's a very generous way to see it. And then there's a second component, which is there is this other verse, Genesis 44, 22, which is part of, you know, the part of the Joseph story where all the brothers finally come back to Egypt and then they're like, give us some grain and they don't recognize Joseph. And Joseph's like, you need to give me Benjamin, the youngest one as like collateral and they're like we can't do that that would be really fucked up and joseph is like jk i'm joseph it's fine that you remember that whole thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay that was a bad summary but in the middle of that we have this verse from genesis 44:22. they said we said to my lord, being Joseph in this case, the boy cannot leave his father. If he were to leave him, his father would die. So part of this is just that Jacob is very attached to Benjamin because Benjamin is sort of like Joseph 2.0, right? Yeah, isn't Benjamin the youngest and he's pretty? Mm -hmm, and yes, and Benjamin, I believe, was born after Joseph was already gone. So Benjamin is like Joseph's replacement in the son hierarchy, basically. Got it, got it, got it. And there's a little bit of grammatic ambiguity at the end of this verse about whether it is if he leaves him benjamin will die or if he leaves him his father would die and rashi says in rashi's commentary if he leaves he would die basically if he leaves his father will be anxious that he would die on the journey that benjamin would die on the journey because his mother died on the journey 
because when Benjamin's mother gave birth to him, she died in childbirth, like, on the road. Wait, 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 but Benjamin is staying behind. This is the reason why Benjamin can't go on the journey. Okay, but I'm assuming Benjamin's already there asking for grain. No. Benjamin is back home. Joseph is like, bring Benjamin here. And they're like, we can't do that, because someone will die. Either Benjamin or his father. Finally, we have a source about the actual werewolf. This is a quote from Rabenu Ephraim's commentary from Rab Natan Slifkin. Ephraim was a Tosafist, which means 12th and 13th century. And this is a translation by Rav Natan Slifkin. It says, Benjamin was a ravenous wolf who would occasionally maul people. And when the time came for him to turn into a wolf... As it says, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf, Genesis 49, 27. If he was with his father, he could rely on a physician, and in that merit, he would not turn into a wolf. Thus it says, and if he leaves his father, he will die, Genesis 44, 22. That is to say, if he separates from his father, he will turn into a wolf and attack people on the way, and anyone who encounters him will kill him. Whoa. Wow. So this is a Jewish source. Mm -hmm. 12th, 13th century-ish. A medieval Jewish source. Claiming Mm -hmm. that Benjamin, one of the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel, Mm -hmm. sometimes turned into a wolf, sometimes turned into a wolf and killed people and killed people. But if he was with his father, he would have access to a doctor who could stop him from turning into a wolf. Whoa. Okay. Question. Question for you. Did the listener know about this or were they curious if such a thing existed and you just like blew everyone's mind by... Oh, no, I did not blow everyone's mind. The listener, in fact, mentions there's a great podcast episode from this podcast called Jew Witches that is about specifically Jewish vampires, werewolves, and Twilight. Oh, okay. All right. That, like, explores this much more in depth than we're going to do on this episode or focuses much more on the monster element. This is definitely, it's a thing that's known out there in the stratosphere, but it's not that commonly talked about. That is really wild. What do you make of this, Hava? What do I make of this? Part of me just thinks Benjamin was just probably making war. I feel like back in the day, people were making all kinds of war all the time. And Benjamin was probably just really good at it. The listener wonders if they were perhaps a sociopath or serial killer. I'm not inclined to think that way. I could be totally wrong and everyone please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think serial killing in the sense of like intentional murdering of individuals purely for the sake of murdering is like pretty modern phenomenon. The label is probably modern. I think there's always been people who loved brutality and violence. Right, but I think Benjamin had plenty of ways to get that out in a societally acceptable way. And that's what I feel like this verse is saying is he was killing, he was killing real good. Yeah, yeah. And we liked it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I'm wrong. I'm looking at the history of the serial killer now, and there have definitely been some pretty ancient ones. So I guess that's true. I guess I just, I'd feel like we don't have enough information to really tell. But the information we do have, and the fact that this is being said in the context of a blessing, you know, it kind of makes me think that it's not that kind of situation because it seems like even though there's sort of a fearsomeness to this quality, it is still being sort of validated in this blessing. Like, this is something we need. We got to incorporate this quality into our nation building that we're doing. 
Someone has to be the ravenous wolf. He's the Henry Kissinger of the 12 tribes. Oh, God. Yeah. Hey, you know, which maybe means that he is a serial killer and he's just doing it in a socially acceptable way or like in a state mandated way. That is a very interesting comparison. I never thought about the connection. Maybe there's a potential connection between the astrological signs and the 12 tribes. I don't know much about this, but I know that there is a whole Jewish astrology all its own and i'm just completely ignorant of it so there's something going on out there with jewish astrology jewish astrologers right into the pod tell us what we don't know i'm imagining what jewish astrologers are like and i'm a little scared of them without knowing anything about you guys i'm a little terrified but please write in (laughs) i do feel like it's not out of the question that benjamin could be a werewolf i feel like The Torah is pretty comfortable saying fantastical things and would be comfortable saying if someone literally turned into a wolf. Crazier things happen in the Torah. Also, I wonder if it's like, you know, some characters, fantastical things can happen to them. And other characters like Benjamin is too much part of the mythology of the 12 tribes. And so we wouldn't want to say anything like too overtly outlandish about him because he's sort of like an important figure in our history you know it's like they're okay with werewolves they just wouldn't want one in their family as long as they keep it to themselves they just don't endorse the werewolf lifestyle i'm looking at the range of wolves now across the world and oh palestine israel canaan part of the lowest range of wolves so got it okay um you know Mm -hmm. not a lot of wolves in france i just feel like if it was more of a sociopath serial killer kind of thing i think it would be phrased differently or in a different context i feel like there are other people in the torah who do murders and violence in a bad way and the torah is pretty clear about that and then there are other violences that the torah is like this is great we love this murder this murder is sacred maybe benjamin really was like a a cain like figure mm-hmm. but The violence was for the Jewish people and has politically been whitewashed. Who knows? Right. I mean, this is an an important parallel that you're drawing. Something that's always intrigued me about the story of Cain is that after God curses Cain, basically, and says, you'll be banished from the soil, Cain says, basically, I'm going to be a stranger wherever I go. And so people will want to kill me. And I've always been like, what What was going on in the time of Cain that people were like, if I don't know you, it's on site, yeah. like immediate murder. And this sort of does feel like a parallel with Benjamin, where it's like, if he goes outside his familiar setting, he is like in danger. Oh. And that's an interesting connection. I, I don't know what to make of it. I was just wondering if there could be like a Cain descendants sneaking in now i feel like we're becoming weird weird biblical genealogists there's like a good bible conspiracy theory yeah it does kind of make me think i feel like there's this archetype in the torah of like outcast dude like i feel like esau is sort of in there and like ishmael is also these sort of dudes that are like i don't know like edgy loners in danger yeah 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 what's up with that were there a lot of dudes wandering around in Torah times mm-hmm. such that if you saw a random dude it was like you know what it's safer just to kill him better to kill him and not need to than to need to and not kill him you know what i'm saying yeah yeah in Torah times so basically what i'm saying listener dear wonderful listener is I think it's super possible that he was a werewolf. I think it's almost certain that he was very violent in some way 
Mm-hmm. For me, I think most likely it was in a state or nation sanctioned way, whatever was going on. And also, I feel like you've tapped into or connected into something here about this archetype of the dangerous wanderer who is both dangerous to others and a danger to themselves in Torah. And I don't know what's going on with that archetype, but you bringing this question helped me sort of see that pattern and wonder about it a little bit more. Well, this was a nice little detour out of Talmud into Tanakh. Yeah, very different than a, than a normal episode for us. Yep, yep. Next week on a regular episode, we are going to be talking about broken hearts. Broken hearts. Broken hearts. Okay, great. And it's going to be good. And then the week after that, I have something really cool planned too. So get ready. It's just nonstop hits. Ooh, great. Hit after hit after hit. Thanks for joining us today, listener. Thanks, Goy Goth Girl, for your question. I really appreciated the journey it led me on. Really appreciate all of you. If you want twice as much, hi, how are you? Join our Patreon. And oh, yes. also send us your questions. The Talmud hotline is in the description as always you can also send us a question on our website at chihowareyou.com or via email at chihowareyou at gmail.com yep and without further ado shavuotov you guys shavuotov bye